Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Who made you my judge? (laughs) Have you ever heard something like that? Well, I know you won't be surprised, but that's not exactly something new. Hey, hopeful. Greetings from the road in Montana again, and welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, which is part of the journey together where we're committed to reading through the Bible word for word, front to back, Monday through Saturday, and considering our own life and work stories in light of that, including the opening story that you're going to hear today in the New Testament is something that I'm going to address in an extra little Always Be Ready segment for those of you who want to go a little bit deeper. And I hope you catch tomorrow's Family Friday show for a few family shout-outs. Welcome to you new, new listeners. In the meantime, today we are flip-flopping things because I want you to hear the whole story of Stephen today. We're going to spend a little extra time in the New Testament. So listen for the whole who made you judge bit. And what the answer is. Acts chapter 6. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, It would be not right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. All right, quickie little pause. That whole waiting on tables thing, that sounds kind of weird. That's what I'm going to address in that Always Be Ready segment. I hope you catch that. And notice here, a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Importantly, and I kind of blew this yesterday, but we're quick to write off like all the Pharisees as nincompoops, but that doesn't mean they all were. And we should just be careful about writing off groups as opposed to um, working and witnessing with individuals. All right, now here's an important story from Stephen. This is seven, uh, chapter 6, verse 8 through chapter 8, verse 3. Now Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from some members of the Freedmen's Synagogue, composed of both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia and Asia, and they began to argue with Stephen. But they were unable to stand up against his wisdom and spirit, and the spirit by whom he was speaking. Remember what we talked about in our Always Be Ready segment a couple days ago about our job to prepare and the Holy Spirit brings the power? There you go. But they were unable to stand up against his wisdom and the spirit by whom he was talking, speaking. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we heard him speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God. 
And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes. So they came, seized him, and took him to the Sanhedrin. They also presented false witnesses who said, This man never stops speaking against this holy place and the law. For we heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs that Moses handed down to us. And all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at him and saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Are these things true? The high priest asked. Stephen responded, Brothers and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran and said said to him, Leave your country and relatives and come to the land that I will show you. Then he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. From there, after his father died, God had him moved to this land in which you are now living. He didn't give him an inheritance in it, not even a foot of ground, but he promised to give it to him as a possession and to his descendants after him, even though he was childless. God spoke in this way. His descendants would be strangers in a foreign country, and they would enslave and oppress them for 400 years. And he said, I will judge the nation that they will serve as slaves, God said. After this, they will come out and worship me in this place. And so he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. After this, he fathered Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs. The patriarchs became jealous of Joseph and sold him into Egypt, but God was with him and rescued him out of all his troubles. He gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who appointed him ruler over Egypt and over his whole household. Now a famine and great suffering came over all of Egypt and Canaan, and our ancestors could find no food. And when Jacob heard there was grain in Egypt, he sent our ancestors there for the first time. The second time, Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. Joseph invited his father Jacob and all his relatives, 75 people in all, and Jacob went down to Egypt, and he and our ancestors died there. He were carried back to Shechem and were placed in the tomb that Abraham had bought for a sum of silver from the sons of Hamor in Shechem. Remember this, my friends. He's telling them what they already know here. What's he doing? He's establishing who God is, namely what God promised and that he keeps his promises. Continuing. As the time was approaching to fulfill the, a, the promise that God had made to Abraham, the people flourished and multiplied in Egypt until a different king who did not know Joseph, Joseph ruled over Egypt. He dealt deceitfully with our race and oppressed our ancestors by making them abandon their infants outside so that they wouldn't survive. At this time, Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. He was cared for in his father's home for three months. When he was put outside, Pharaoh's daughter adopted and raised him as her own son. So Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in his speech and actions. Now, when he was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites, and when he saw one of them being mistreated, he came to his rescue and avenged the oppressed man by striking down the Egyptian. He assumed his people would understand that God would give deliverance through him, but they didn't understand. The next day, he showed up while they were fighting and tried to reconcile them peacefully, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why are you mistreating each other? Now catch this, friends. But the one who was mistreating his neighbor pushed Moses aside, saying, 
Who appointed you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me the same way you killed the Egyptians yesterday? Egyptian singular. (laughs) And when he heard this, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of a burning bush. And when Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he was approaching to look at it, the voice of the Lord came, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses began to tremble and did not dare look. My friends, what just happened? Um, Moses delivered justice and was driven away by his own people. So when somebody says, who made you judge? Sometimes people who even who you're doing right by are going to drive you away because they don't understand, right? Particularly if they don't have the Holy Spirit. Continuing, the Lord said to Moses, take, the, take off the sandals from your feet because the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. And now, come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected when they said, Who appointed you a ruler and judge? This one God sent as a ruler and a deliverer the angel through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out and performed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt at the Red Sea in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me, from among your brothers. What does he mean like me? He means uh, who will be rejected even though he's your ruler and judge. Ah, there you go. He is the one who was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors, and he received living oracles to give to us. Okay, I just got to stop pausing, but I'm going to do it one more time. What did... What did Luke here just make a claim for in the book of Acts that the Ten Commandments are alive. You want to know what, why we treat the Word of God seriously? Because we call it the Word of God, and if God can't make a mistake, then His Word can't make a mistake. Sit with that one. He received meaning Moses received living oracles to give to us. Our ancestors were unwilling to obey him. Instead, they pushed him aside and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. And they told Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. They even made a calf in those days, offered sacrifice to the idol and were celebrating what their hands had made. God turned away and gave them up to worship the stars of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. House of Israel, did you bring me offerings and sacrifices for 40 years in the wilderness? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your god Raphan, the images that you made to worship. So I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the testimony in in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses commanded him to make it according to the pattern he had seen. Whose pattern was that? What was the, how was the, the, the tabernacle created? God's pattern. Our ancestors in turn received it and with Joshua brought it in when they were dispossessed, when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before them until the days of David. 
He found favor in God's sight and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. And it was Solomon, rather, who built him a house. But the Most High, capital M, capital H, the Most High does not dwell in sanctuaries made with hands, as the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What sort of house will you build me, says the Lord, or what will be my resting place? Did not my hand make all these things? All right, notice the change in tone here. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit. As your ancestors did, you do also. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You received the law under the direction of angels and yet have not kept it. Meaning, what did you just tell them? You received God's word and and abandoned it, right? When they heard these things, they were enraged and gnashed their teeth at him. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. They yelled at the top of their voices, covered their ears, and together rushed against him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him, and the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named mm-hmm, Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, Stephen called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down with a, and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. After saying this, he fell asleep. Saul agreed with putting him to death. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. That gets us up through chapter 8, verse 3. My friends, what? What was Stephen killed for? The truth. The truth that, that they said, that they said they believed. So I'm just going to close today with a psalm. And today will be a little shorter, a little bit. But I'm just going to chalk that up to vacation here. Psalm 14 uh, is a psalm of David for the choir director. But I hope that you... I hope that you recall that this, uh, that the occasion that gave rise to this psalm was a situation where, in a sense, atheism came face to face with the reality of the presence of God among his people. And I think that's what we just read in, in, the, in the story of Stephen right there, right? He, he was full of the Spirit, as Luke pointed out more than once, Right? And the people who were the religious leaders killed him, right? So just, just get a sense of this, sense, uh, of this psalm, Psalm 14, as a portrait of sinners. And, and some people aren't 
professed atheists, just remember, they're practical atheists. It's, it, they live as if uh, they know the words, but it has no power. My friends, let, let's, let's pray that we get not just the words, but the power. Psalm 14. A fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do vile deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there is one who is wise, one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will evildoers never understand? They consume my people as they consume bread. They do not call on the Lord. Then they will be filled with dread, for God is with those who are righteous. You sinners frustrate the plans of the oppressed, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that Israel's deliverance would come from Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice. Let Israel be glad. My friends, I... Even as I read that, I think, did I just read that one a couple days ago? Remember this, my friends. We're all, no one good, as we heard in this psalm, and of course Paul makes that point really well in the first eight chapters of the book of Romans. There is no one good, no, not one. So what, how are those without how are some filled without with dread and but God is with those who are righteous? My friends, we are not holier than thou or holier than them. We are sinners saved by grace. And the righteousness that we have is imputed, that's the fancy theological word, is imputed to us by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He paid the price so that God would see us as righteous, right? My friends, may we be filled not only with the Spirit, but a sense of humility so that we, like Stephen, can look at them going, Lord, don't hold their sin against them. To his very death, his prayer was that they would be saved. That, my friends, is quite a message. Lord God, I pray that we would take those who hate us, those who vote the wrong way, those who who say nasty things about us and perhaps even lie about us when we're just trying to share the truth, the good news. Fill us with a sense of humility and love and patience. Lord, even if they killed us, give us that sense of you. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.